podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, this is Emil Heskey, and you're listening to the guys of Coppen Practice. Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode of Coffee and Fracas Powered by Media Group. I'm your host Chris. Uh, today, joining me to talk about all things the Football Club, I have got Anik, Mark and Ellis. We're going to dive straight into this week's part because there's just there's, there's so much to cover from uh, such a weird game of football really and we don't like starting pods kind of this way, talking about referee decisions, especially after we've dropped points, but I think it's really important to kind of discuss the poor refereeing that we saw on display on Sunday, and not even on Sunday, just throughout the weekend's uh, Premier League fixtures in general, to be fair. So, uh, Annick, I'll start off with you. Paul Tierney, he has an absolute shocker on Sunday, doesn't he? Um, what were your kind of like initial thoughts immediately after the, after the game? Now you've had a few days to kind of like cool off from those decisions. How are you feeling about it now? Yeah, so immediately it was like one of genuine frustration. Um, I remember coming out uh, after watching the game, my brother, and he said, I don't think we've had that many cautions and red card uh, and, and a red card in, in such a long game of football. And when we checked it, it was like, I don't know, you guys can uh, fill me in on this, but I think it's like over two seasons since we've received a red card and that many cautions in a game. So I was really, really surprised by the fact that he was just, you know, dishing out, you know, red cards, uh, not the red card and, and cautions after another. Obviously, the individual decisions that we saw in the game, like I just felt as though it was going against us. And obviously, mm-hmm. as a fan, when when you don't win, it's so easy to turn around and look at the referee. But genuinely, I, I it just felt like personal against Liverpool. His performance, like you know, there's the Jota one, there's the Robertson one, there's him not giving Kane a red card. There's just like all these things just seem to go against us. And yeah, I just felt as though you know he just had something against Liverpool and obviously you know um, Klopp's comments after the game supported that yeah it did very much feel like one of my favourite sayings is no weapon formed against me shall prosper it felt like the actual weapon who was referee in the game was prospering against us in that um, in, in that specific scenario and I completely agree with everything you said there and it's good to, see, good to have you back by the way I know you've been killing it with with pissed off so it's good to have you back on, on our side bro um, you have been missed always a pleasure you've, still been, you've been causing mischief in the group but we love you for it, um, and it is the spark of conversation. Else, I'll come, I'll come directly to you. I'm not going to kind of talk too much. Um, I voiced my opinion on the post-match pod, and if you do want to listen to that post-match pod, head over to our Patreon page. That is www.patreon.com forward slash copper and subscribe today from just £3 a month. Um, I'm going to start off on the Kane, uh, the Kane non-red card, and... 
the refusal to kind of go to well it, 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 i'm not even sure if it even went to var or you know the lack of a use of a monitor why is it that in that situation that kane is not being sent off we can see it's a reckless challenge it's it's so dangerous. He's out of control. I mean, granted, his adrenaline is going up, but but why isn't there a red card just being given out in that scenario? It's it's absolutely absurd. Um. Well, the short and sweet answer is I don't know. I don't know. I think it's, it's a bad error for everyone, from the ref, from the VAR. Also, I think if you, if you want to dig a, a bit deeper, is um, it's um a thing whereby. He's the England captain. He's playing in front of his home fans. The, he, the referee doesn't really want the the fans on his back. He doesn't want to make it a, a headline, which he's now made it a headline anyway by not sending him off. So I think it's all of that just playing on the ref's mind because imagine you send up Kane, he's just equalised. Um, now you're going to have 60,000 people just making your life hell. The manager's going to be on you. So the ref just wants an easy game. But indirectly doing that, you've made it now a more difficult game because now you've got clock shouting and and um, wanting your head on a platter. Um, again, I don't know why they haven't gone to the, to the monitor. I don't understand why they haven't gone to it. Um, I'm not too sure what VAR is playing at. I'd like to know who was doing the VAR that day. Um, he's probably got another vendetta. I think it was, I think it was Chris Kavanagh who... So I think it's Dale Johnson, the VSPN, who does these like really long refereeing yeah. threads on a Monday, kind of summarising the um the all the decisions from kind of uh, the, the week before, well mm-hmm. the weekend prior. And he basically said that Chris Kavanagh is rated as one of the best VAR officials, not only in the UK but in Europe. So he's so he was in charge of a lot of the VAR decisions that happened in the uh, in the Euros as well. But one of the problems is that he's so rated in Europe because the threshold is completely different. So, if that if Kane does the exact same challenge in the Champions League, for instance, or the Europa League, uh, he won't be doing it now because they're out of the competition. Uh, has mm-hmm. to get a slight dig in there. Um, if he if he does that, he gets sent off. But apparently, because the Premier League legislation and kind of all the guidelines around it are so stringent that it is a yellow card. That in itself makes no sense, doesn't it? It doesn't make sense because it's a reckless challenge and a red card, regardless of. Whatever happens, it's a red card because you're endangering your opponent. Um, again, if Robertson's foot was planted, that's a ankle breaker or you know a leg breaker. Yeah, the same thing that um, Pogba got sent off for. Same similar challenge to Navigator when we beat him away from home. So there was not really much any difference, and, and I don't know. And the problem in this country is that. Or, or in football, which I'm, I'm not too sure how it is in a continent, but in this country especially, the referees are, are almost hidden away and they don't come out and explain their decisions. Now, for instance, if now Klopp had to go to the FA and explain what he said, but why is the ref not allowed to come out and explain that kind of decision? It doesn't make sense. Like, why have you not sent off Kane? What did you see in that challenge to believe it's an, a booking? I, I just can't understand it. It just doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. And the fact that Harry Kane now has the, like, the goal to come out and say that, oh, yeah, I believe I won the ball. He didn't. He did it, you monk. He didn't, you idiot. He's an idiot. What's an idiot? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. The, the standard of refereeing in this country 
is in the pits of Hades. Absolutely shocking, 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 man. Like, if you can get away with, like, doing that kind of a challenge, even the, like we was talking off air, the um, Edison, Edison challenge on Ryan Fraser, where he's yep. absolutely taking him out like a, like a 10 pin, <laughs> 10 pin bowling. He absolutely skittled him, bro. And he's like, <laughs> just, he just letting it go. Oh, come on, man. What are we doing here? What is the point? Like, you're, now, now you're mugging us off. Yeah, do it feels like it feels like we're in like an episode of Black Mirror or something, or we're in um the Truman Show. I don't know. It just feels so weird. It's like, yeah, you're mugging us off here, man. I don't know. Yeah, they definitely they they were mugging us off indeed. I don't think it helps matters either. When we got the guy who's the guy who did all the refereeing stuff on BT Sport. Peter Walton, that's it. Oh, and oh that then, guy. <laughs> he's the he's the absolute worst. And I think he did something in the independent on a Monday morning where he was kind of giving an explanation about these refereeing decisions. And I, I can't remember it kind of like word for word. I'm not even gonna try and pronounce it verbatim, but it was just the explanation he gave was just so terrible and it was just so much drivel that you might as well be better off just saying nothing. Yeah. As opposed to saying some absolute nonsense. Alex, sorry, I, I cut you off there. I look like you're going to interject. No, 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 nothing. I was just, yeah, just just Peter Walton. Just can't, just can't stand, stand the guy. I just think he's <laughs> just, like, like, like whenever he comes in with, with his analysis, it's just so frustrating, especially during Liverpool games, because he always seems to chime in whenever a decision goes against us. But, um, yeah, I just want to follow on from what Ellis said. Like, it just seems like everything is, is going against us. And, when you mention Kane there, like that guy just seems just to get away, even in the media, just seems to get yeah. away with a lot. And I know, the, I, I, the I know we're talking about this in that post batch as well, was, was insane. Yeah, like even the diving stuff last year, he got away with. The guy's only got like two Premier League goals this year and he's not been spoken about. Yet all of a sudden, he makes an absolute horrific challenge and he gets away with it. Like, yeah, I know, just, just getting a bit upset by it all. <laughs> He is a wanker, um, and I, I'm very glad that <laughs> one of his lo- lowest moments is um, him having to walk past the Champions League that we uh, took away from him in the final. So that's a that's it's a small retribution, but it's also a big retribution at the same time as well. Um, deck the halls with Bow of Harley. It is the season, uh, Mister Bow himself. Mark, going to bring you in here. Um, I hope you like that little introduction. Uh, I've been working on that one since yeah, like ten o'clock this still. morning. Yeah, I love that. Still. <laughs> I was sitting but, there uh, thinking, like, I was like, you know, well, work on it. Came up, I was like, hey, I'm gonna kill him with this one. Um, <laughs> um, I'm gonna, I want to come to you in regards to the Jota penalty. Um, so it's a, I think we can all agree, I think, with every single piece of coverage that we've seen, it's, it's a penalty, first and foremost. Mm. Um, and what I didn't realize until after it was, it was Emerson who commits the foul. So on further review, it probably would have been a second yellow card. Second yellow card and a red card. Yeah. So uh, you're someone that obviously plays football fairly frequently. The explanation given was that because Jota stopped the ball to take a shot, it's not a penalty. Now, I'm no physicist or whatnot, but I'm pretty sure you need to do that in order to then take a shot. For me, that's bullshit, Mac. Um, he doesn't even stop the ball. He slows down to try and take the shot. And regardless of if he slows down, regardless of if he's awaiting contact, the contact is there, it's evident, and it's wrong. Like, that was complete and 
utterly a foul, isn't it? Like, he pushes through the back of him. Anywhere else on the pitch, you have to give that as a foul. In the penalty box, I don't know why you're not giving that as a foul, especially in that circumstance when he's about to shoot on goal. Um, for me, that's... I wouldn't say denying a clear goal-scoring opportunity, but you're denying a shot on goal. Um, mm. So, yeah, that should be a second yellow card and that should be a red card. Then we put the game away from there, in my opinion, anyway. But oh, I've heard a lot. So I've been keeping quiet about this whole um, Kane challenge and Robertson because I've heard some drivel from some of the, I guess, referee and association about what they've been saying. Um, originally, straight after the match, they said the intensity and the force of the Robertson challenge meant that so of the Kane challenge on Robertson meant that they didn't look at it again. And that's what was said on, I believe, Super Sunday. Like, Kane is running at full speed and he dives into a challenge. The intensity can't get any less. Like, what are you talking about? And then I've heard, and I don't know if this is true, so this is just a Twitter like page, I guess, that said they spoke about the players that they need to watch before the match and Kane doesn't get flagged as one of those while Robertson does. And for me, it doesn't matter what's going on before a match. It matters what happens in the match. I could have a absolute clean record and then go punch someone up on the pitch. And you're saying if I punch someone in the face because I haven't done it before, you're not going to give me the same retribution as someone that's constantly fighting like a, I don't know, like a Tevez, like a Suarez. Like, I punch someone... <laughs> I should get the retribution for that. And for me, I also think, and I don't know what's happened with this, but I swear they used to look at incidents like this retrospectively and they would do like a refereeing panel every weekend or every Monday yep. and attribute certain fouls as like, maybe that was foul play, so they upgraded it from a yellow card to a red card. So why haven't they done that in this case? Because that was ridiculous. If Robbo's foot was still on the floor, his leg would be broken. That's... Almost as bad as with Carlson's on Thiago. And we saw how long Thiago was out for. He was supposed to be out for three months. He ended up being out for like five or six. Like, absolutely snapped his leg. Kane could have done the same thing to Robbo. And Robbo's not no like, little boy that gets injured all the time. He would fight through a broken leg. But this is what it is. I feel extremely hard done by, by the refereeing decisions. I don't feel like we played well enough. And I'm sure we're going to move on to that. I feel yeah. like we played well enough for the win, but the game could have been so much different. If Kane gets sent off there, if we get a penalty, let's even take away Emerson getting sent off because in reality, there should have been two red cards. If we're playing against nine men, that's a completely different game. If we're playing against 10 men with a penalty, that's a completely different game. If we're playing against 11 men with a penalty, with the way the momentum was swinging at that time, that's still a completely different game. So how did we end up on the worst side of those four situations. Well, this is the thing as well. I mean, we've already been handicapped by the fact that we've got our entire first choice midfield and our first choice centre-back out with COVID. Um, well, close contacts and, and, and whatnot, positive tests. To then further compound that handicap with all these decisions going against us is just absolutely insane. And I found that statement as well, the, the thing you were talking about earlier, Mark, that you saw on Twitter. Uh, and it is actually from Peter Walton's statement. So I'm just, just going to quickly read this absolute farcical nonsense. So uh, what's, what's and this is about Kane's challenge. So what saves the England striker is that Robertson's foot was not planted. The Liverpool man's raised leg limited the force of the tackle and convinced Tierney that there was no serious foul play. 
both a booking and a red card are justifiable. Therefore, the referee did not make a clear and obvious error, and VAR was correct to not intervene. On to the second point That's that Mark crazy said. To me, man. That's crazy. Ref- referees do study players and formations ahead of a game. They are aware that play- certain players need to be dealt with proactively. Kane does not fall into that category. It has been more than 10 years since his last red card for Leighton Orient away to Huddersfield Town in League One. That statement in itself is an autofarcical nonsense. And sorry, I was gone. Oh, sorry, mate. No, I, I was just gonna let you finish. I was gonna say, yeah, that's absolutely, absolutely rubbish. That's that's like saying, oh, yeah, in school, there's a couple, you know, what I mean, when you get a substitute teacher, yeah, watch out for those three at the back because like they kind of talk like the rest no, of them. No, that like, used to gone. piss me off, you know. No, no, saying, like, that's exactly what time. it is. That's exactly that's what, what it is. Like, a teacher oh, comes in that doesn't the, know, ref the game, ref the game, like. Oh. Ref, what is in front of you? Don't pick and choose because you think, oh yeah, Kane's a good, he's a good boy. He's not going to do him. Come on, man. Ref the game. It's absolutely nonsense, man. Sorry, Chris. No, no, no problem. I think this. I think we can all agree, everyone on the part that the Robertson tackle was was a red card. I think that's. I think that's fair. Everyone nodded. One of the things I think we can all agree on as well is that that red card is a lot more palatable if the Kane one is dealt with in the exact same manner. Uh, and Anik, I'll come to you. Why is it that one incident is dealt with in a one way and then one is dealt in a completely different one? Because I don't think I've ever seen Robertson... It, granted, he is chippy, but I've never seen him get a red card as the book career. Yeah, same. He's always been a bit, you know, aggressive, you know, hard in the tackle, loves to rile up players, loves to leave a little bit on one once he, you know, follows through the challenge. But look, on first glance, okay, look, they just scored. Okay, we're all a bit, you know, heated. I can imagine what the players are thinking. And he goes through, I think, is it um, Emerson Royale, right? He challenges Emerson Royale. Yeah. I think it's him. Yeah, he tackles him. And then I don't I don't think that the cameras picked it up live, but then obviously there's all this commotion and then it settles down. He gives him a yellow card. And I thought, okay, after everything that happened with Kane, let's just move on for it. But then, you know, the players, the way they are these days and, you know, VAR intervenes, goes over, has a look at the monitor and decides to change his decision. Immediately, what springs to mind is, why did you not do the same for Harry Kane? Why are you doing it in this instance and not the same for Harry Kane? I completely agree. Yeah, Did you not notice where VAR was? It was right in front of the Tottenham fans. Right in front of the Tottenham fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tottenham fans screaming in his face. Yeah. And I don't know why they've ever done that. I don't even think they've ever done that. But hold on. VAR is not by the benches. So why are they doing it then? It should be by the benches. Well, even in the NFL, it's like in... It's it's in like a... I was going to say a hook, but that's not the the right thing. It's like it's, it's canvassed over and it's in like an isolated kind of like miniature part enclosure it's like an little yes, enclosure that's the, that's the exact word that I'm looking for um, yeah. so it's in there so there's no, no kind of like outside interference when they're checking these replays I have no idea why it's not the, in the exact same way because as we know with football the tribalism and the energy that's in the ground really does affect referees because they are absolutely shit scared of making a decision that will rile up the home fans it's it's just crazy um this goes into like a, a wider conversation as well because I, I've been watching a lot of a lot, a lot of cricket in the morning, obviously with the Ashes being on. And one of the things I've always taken away from cricket is in the difference between umpires and referees. It's the same; it's the exact same profession. They're there to kind of uphold balance of the game, make calls on decisions. 
But one of the things that umpires in cricket are, they don't throw a fuss at, is when things go to the DRS, the decision referral system. Those decisions are talked, you hear it on the broadcast, and the umpires never throw a fit. They are okay and they are willing to be corrected. And I have no idea in a sport so evolved and so commercially viable like football that it's not the exact same way. It completely bothers you know what, yeah. I think it's it's absolute bullshit the way the referees conduct themselves at times. The way even down to things such as Peter Walton always trying to defend referees regardless of how bad their decisions are. Um, I think we're on spaces and if you are listening and you do want to get involved with any of our talk, jump on our spaces whenever we do do them. Along the Touchline group, we all tend to have these nice little vibes on spaces and feel free to join in. But I think spaces just after our Tottenham game, we were discussing how Australian, I think they tried it in the Australian League where they mic'd up a couple of referees and you got to hear them throughout the game. And we do need that level of transparency throughout the game because a lot of refereeing decisions have gone wrong. Um, I am going to harken back to another Liverpool-Tottenham match where I think it was Lovren kicked into Lamella. And the ball was dropping out the sky. Lamella just about ducks in front of Lovren. Lovren like, clips his leg. The referee ends up going over to the linesman and says, you know what, was he offside? Like... I can't, and then Elijah says, you know, I can't tell. I think the clips have been doing the rounds quite a bit, um, but they're talking on the sideline. I can't remember what match this was either or what year it was. They're talking on the sideline and trying to discuss, like, did, was he clipped or not? Was he clipped or not? And was he offside or not? Um, the Elijah says, you know what? I don't know if he was offside. Then the ref says, you know what? I'm going to give a penalty anyway. Like, that's the level of refereeing that we've got. We, when people are unsure, they just tend to go with what works for them instead of having something in VAR that we have to confirm these kind of issues. Like, if there is any doubt in your mind, go over and look at the screen. There's no need to risk a decision or risk a result over bias or if you want to call it something else in pride. I don't know what it is, but there's no need to risk the livelihoods of players and potential title deciding matches over the fact that you don't want to be corrected by technology that's there to help you. You know what I'm saying? It was 2-2. It was again that ended 2-2 at Anfield. Kane scored yeah. the penalty, in it Last minute. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Don't give me two chances. Yeah, I swear yeah, that was yeah. Salah. Salah scored ripped. a banger. Wanyama yeah, scored Salah a banger. someone, slapped it top corner. Mm. Wanyama scored to make it 2-1 after someone's error. I can't remember who was in goal that day. I think it was probably Karius, to be honest. Karius punched it out when Yama slapped it. Mm-hmm. And then 2-1, like that that game was 2-1 going into the final minutes. And because of a refereeing decision, it ended up 2-2. And the no, silly wait, refereeing was, decision uh, at that. It was a Van Dijk challenge. I think, the, like you said, the ball was coming over. Yeah. And Van Dijk yeah. might have been a volley out. And if it must have clicked. Must have clicked. The Celso. But, but, oh, yeah, know, it was yeah. Lamella. It was Lamella. Lamella, yeah. it was Lamella. But yeah, just jumping back on your point, like you said, yeah. I mean, like you said, Chris, with the umpires, in, in all sports, which are, like, I want to say lesser than football, but obviously football commercially is just dwarfs all these sports. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that they are so archaic in their decision-making just beggars belief. Like, if the umpire gets a call, he's a human being. Like, people are, he's a human being. He's got 
a pair of eyes. And <laughs> more times, these umpires are like, what, 50 odd? And they're going to miss stuff. You're not, you're not going to see everything. But that's why you have the, the video technology to help him say, okay, no, that decision wasn't correct. Or even like in rugby, the referee, a try, a try might be scored. They help him out. Do you know what I'm saying? They say, yeah. okay, we're going to go look at it. They start talking with it. We can help what they're saying. Every, everything is calm. Same thing with American football, basketball. But in, in football, over here, it just seems to be like, oh, yeah, the referee has the last word and, and that's it. He's not going to explain nothing and that's it. Um, you need. We are in a position where we need to hear what these referees are saying. We need to know why you're giving these decisions. It's just about, it's just as simple as that. Cool, we're going to move on to our performance as a team anyway. But before we before we move on, those two decisions were so detrimental to us because you give a penalty or you send off K before, it's that they're down to 10 men. Now they've got one less outlet. Um, we at, Anyway, we was already camping them in their own half. They were just looking for the counter-attack. They have one less player to do that. Um, you give a penalty to us, probably 2-3-1. It's game over. We've won, we've won that game. But when now you, you're making decisions which, I don't know, man. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I hope he doesn't... I hope Klopp... Yeah. Yeah, I hope Klopp really, really... Now, because Klopp has said that, I think they're going to start thinking, oh, we can't we can't put him there because him and Klopp are going to run into each other again. So, hopefully, that will scare them a bit. And do you know what it is? Yeah, I've been on the main pod a couple of times in the past few weeks and Mariah's always asked, why do I, like, talk about the times we've dropped points to Brighton, to West Ham, to Brentford. And I always harken back to, we lost the title by one point. <laughs> so if this is the game that cost us the title by one point, I'm going to go mad. I probably won't remember it and I probably won't be as heated as I am right now. Or I will probably won't remember it as vividly and I probably won't be as heated as I am right now. But come May, the whatever, 25th, whatever you want to call it, Say we are on 96 points and City on 97. I'm going to be absolutely fuming, especially when things go City's way. It's like the Bernardo, was it Bernardo kicked the ball against um, Lanzini and it hit his armpit or something like that, and they get a penalty for that on a VAR. Uh, it was in um in the Wolves game where it hit Moutinho. Like, so it hit Moutinho's the... arm. So yeah. it hit Moutinho's arm. Um, yeah, like if them things happen and VARs playing a part in that. Why can't VAR play a part in getting their decision right? Why are this decisions still wrong when the technology is there to help people? And a lot. this is cliche, but a lot of people say VAR is only as good as the officials that you've got using it. And we mm-hmm. need a huge upgrade on the officials that we have in the English Premier League. No, I completely agree. Um, I think it doesn't help when referees are very protected as well. Um, obviously they don't have to kind of comment on their mistakes uh, or you get some drivel from the PGMLA um, you can't criticise them whatsoever or else you will get fined so why are we protecting people who are making these mistakes and obviously Pep Linders uh, took the uh, pre-match press conference for, for the Leicester game today as he always does for League Cup games and, and he, he himself even said you know um, if we make big mistakes Jürgen and myself we get punished if the players make mistakes they get punished but if referees make big mistakes, usually the teams or the players get punished. That's not correct. And from what Marco said there as well, these title races, that, you know, between ourselves and City, they go to the barest of margins, the thinnest of margins. We've literally seen a ball on with goal line technology. It, it, it's inches. Pause. 
that's how small the margins are here between success and failure. And with refereeing performances, again, it's the same for clubs. Um, was it Sheffield United and Villa? Um, when the goal line technology didn't work and Sheffield United lost that game, they could have been relegated as a result of that. These are the things that we need correcting within you know the game to make sure that everything goes to plan and we're all being um, officiated on a, on a level playing field, really. So it is very frustrating from that aspect. But we are going to talk about the performance, which was lackluster after these commercial messages. And we're back. Thank you for the random ad insert there, Blue Wire. We appreciate you. Um, let's talk about the performance. Uh, obviously, it does end up 2-2. And Nick, I'll come to you. Um, obviously, no first choice midfield for the 11, and Van Dijk still out. You saw Tyler Morton kind of in that role. I, I didn't think he had the the, the worst game, but on imaginations, it, it's one of those ones where you're looking and think, okay, he's 19, he's been thrust in there. Do you think he was let down by his two central midfield partners, first and foremost? Um, I think on Tyler Morton himself, I think he actually played pretty well, um, considering the circumstances. Like, you know, it's going to be, you know, a rupturous atmosphere at Spurs, you know, just before Christmas, you know, it's going to be a big game. You know, it's not not, not the best game to come into. I, I feel as though he, I feel as though he'd done well. Obviously, it wasn't the best performance, but I think he did okay. I also think Milner played all right as well. He'd done the job that he had to do. Kate, I could have expected a little bit more from, but I think I've just got used to that now uh, with Naby. Um, no way, I can't let really... you go there. I can't <laughs> let you do that. I can't let you do that. <laughs> You said Bruno played okay. No he played all way. right. No, he was, was getting cheap. about. He played all right. No, no, he played all right. Cheap. For me, yeah, you've got the young boy, I Tyler think... Morton. Milner is our most experienced midfielder. Hold Morton's hand through this game. That's all you need to do, you know. Sit beside Morton, and you know Morton's a good enough player that he's going to be able to pop it around and do the legwork for you. But just sit beside him and tell him where to go. That's all Morton needed that game. But you've left him on an island where, yes, they're camping in and, yes, we need midfield runners, but you haven't Naby Keita to do that. Naby Keita was doing that all game and Naby Keita was, in my opinion, the best midfielder out of the three. So, for me, Milner let us down there majorly. There was loads of times where, and I think Mush pointed it out, there was loads of times where Milner was caught up the pitch, they would break down his channel and he was offering Matip and Robbo no support at all. And that's why a lot of balls did get threaded through. So I think so I think with with, with Millie's performance, yeah, like all three didn't didn't play well. But I think if you have to credit anyone, it has to be Tyler because of the fact that he came in and, and done a job. But let's be honest, the way in which we were getting caught. Okay, I hear open, that, but I disagree. <laughs> Just want to get that a record still. <laughs> I think the I think the Morton <laughs> thing as well, when you can add the fact that he kind of got that early yellow card too. He kind of compares the fact that he couldn't take as many risks, um, especially in that sixth role to where we've seen Fabinho kind of take people people down. Um, kind of look look back to the to the Wolves performance where everyone took turns uh, lumping six levels of shit out of Adama Traore. <laughs> but but I think what 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 it led to though, okay, and it and it could have come from the midfield. I was really really getting frustrated by the amount of times they were just carving us open, balls around the back, balls around the side. Sonning came with getting through. It was really, really frustrating. And 
obviously, especially after you go 2-1 up, you know, this this Liverpool side can see games out. This this group of players knows how to see games out and then just to then go 2-1 down, obviously, through through, through Alisson's error. It was really, really frustrating. Um, look, we're, we're our bare bones in midfield and that's through no fault of our own. And I feel as though they've done the best that they can't. It was Milner, Morton and Kate like. <laughs> We're not going to expect a vintage performance, are we? So, yeah, they've done the best they could. I think overall the performance wasn't the best. Um, quite, quite upset with with the two two. I'll be honest with you. What did you guys think, by the way? Um, obviously, we ha- we've had our COVID woes, and Spurs have had theirs. They've essentially had two weeks off to pre- prepare for this game. Do you think it's shown mm-hmm. through that you know, new squad, well, same squad, new manager who's very tactically disciplined? in his approach did did you get the vibes that it were you know he was able to kind of put a very good tactical plan together for liverpool as they had that time off yeah 100% um for me yeah one thing that clock mentioned just to go to a liverpool point of view to begin with one thing that clock mentioned is the lads weren't really as hungry as they should have been and that's because we're playing these teams consistently well we're playing Mane Salah Yota consistently uh, without a break um, in terms of Conte and Tottenham, I've watched the second goal back like maybe 15 minutes ago, just before the pod, and they popped us. <laughs> that second goal was nice ball movement, essentially Conte ball, like just moving into the space and drawing players out. Um, it stems from, I believe, Firmino and Salah getting caught on the left. They popped the ball around them. Then Naby Keita tries to nick the ball in the middle. That leaves a space. And then they whip it into that space that Naby Keita's just vacated. And it was nice ball movement. For me, one of the things that I thought Conte would struggle with is the frequency of games and trying to train these players in the way that he wants to play. Um, I thought that was always going to be something that he wouldn't be able to accomplish because the games come thick and fast and you need to have a lot of time on the training pitch to instill a completely new, I guess, football mannerism and a football way of playing. Um, but that two weeks off looked like it done the job for him, in my opinion. They looked quite organised. Um, although we are Liverpool and we still cut through them quite a few times, they looked like a better Tottenham size than I'm used to. And yes, the bar is extremely low, but <laughs> let's give them credit where it's due in it. I-, I feel as though we could have won the game. I'll be honest with you. I feel as though... Agreed. There was there were hallmarks from that performance that kind of reminded me of 1920, 18, 19, when it was like, oh, we're under the cosh, they're missing sitters. Like Son's one-on-one, he's trying to round the keeper. Ali's missing, you know, uh, you know, the whole goal he has to aim at, and you know, great save from Allison. But and just the way in which Robbo scored, it just felt like, okay, we're gonna get the job done here. This is gonna be like a proper, you know, title-winning performance. I'm I'm really just frustrated by by the final few minutes. Oh, sorry, the minutes that uh, came after the goal in which we conceded, and then Robbo getting sent off. It's like oh, it's just not. That's just not what we what we're so used to seeing from this side. It's just so uncharacteristic. As as much yeah. as um yeah, as much as Conte has done tactically since he's been here, considering the midfield we had, we, I believe he was comfy. Man, the only thing was that the Jets were catching up, catching us on the counter, but the finishing wasn't good. Having said that, I just feel like like you, Annick, I feel that we could have won that game, man. It, it just had a 2-1 finish. We're done. Let's go. 
obviously yeah. then Ali has a Ali has a brain fart moment. Um what changed from them? I just think they had a obviously they had a, a way of, of beating our press it was going forward. Maybe the our press wasn't as effective as it always is. Um I don't know if it was missing out the triggers, I'm not too sure. But um we allow them to look up and play that long ball way too many times. Um, I know in the group chat we said that Matip didn't play too well. For me, I thought the centre-backs were all right. I just feel that in front of them, one, they didn't have enough protection. Two, our pressing was allowing Tottenham to get that ball over way too many times. There's nothing, there's not much you can do when the ball's always coming over. You know what I'm saying? Every other time, every other five minutes. like some Somebody... When that's happening, that means somebody's not doing their job properly. Do you know what I'm saying? It was like against Aston Villa when Aston Villa beat us like seven two. Mm-hmm. Somebody in the front wasn't doing something, or in the midfield, somebody wasn't pressing well, and it wasn't covering gaps. So um, I think obviously Cop look at that, and and again, our normal players weren't playing. To be honest, guys. So that's why I wasn't too I wasn't too pissed after because I, I looked at the midfield, and to be fair, to be fair to the midfielders, they've done what they could. I thought Milner could have been a bit. He gave the ball away way too many times from liking, for man of his experience. Um, Tyler Morton, we know what he's about. He's neat. He's classy. Like, I feel that his future is really cemented at Liverpool. He's a very good player. Um, people on the internet were saying um, he didn't play too well, but that's just the internet interneting. Like they want everyone to be Iniesta and Javier Hernandez off the rip. Do you know what I'm saying? And it's, it's, it doesn't work like that, guys. Um, but yeah, he's he's a player. Obviously, this game was a bit mad for him, but he he done well. He killed himself. Uh, he had one sick block on Kane. Was it on yeah. Kane? Yeah, that was a sick block. And he, that's the second time I've seen him do such a thing. Even he done it against um, AC Milan. So he's got like Great game against AC Milan as well. People yeah, forget man. about that, but he dominated the team that was top of Italy at the time. So. And a very good midfield, like Frank Kessie. Everybody's all like Frank Kessie, Frank Kessie. He dominated Frank Kessie. He's only 18. Like, keeping on feeling with this week, he's got good spidey senses. You know what I'm saying? He reads the ball, he reads the ball well. He uses it even better. Um, I thought Naby played really well, to be fair. After a while, he started to tire out. But I kind of enjoyed his performance, especially that first half. I think he was... <laughs> you know what's funny, yeah? It was a battle of Keita versus Ennambele. That both <laughs> similar types of players. Talented players. Huh? You know what I'm saying? Who gets gassed out first? <laughs> yeah, who gets gassed out first? At least my boy lasted 90 minutes still. He did, he did, he did, he did. And he would have, I mean, he would have been calm had he been playing, like, that's his first start since October. So mm. I thought he... Well, that was, that, that was the other thing, wasn't it? So it was him and Milner's first start since, since October. So, yeah, it shows you how much of a mishmash midfield it was, to be fair, too. Yeah, so my favourite my favorite thing was um, how he immediately gets booked after getting fouled, which, uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> goes into the um, standard of referee that we saw during the game. I couldn't understand that. I was thinking, hold on. So we've got a free kick, but you're booking him. Obviously, he's pissed. You fouled him. He got fouled. Why are you booking him for? He got elbowed in he the got head. Elbow. He got elbowed, <laughs> didn't he? Yeah, he got elbowed. You're yeah. booking him. What? He's, like, he's, got elbow. he's literally then going to the referee. I got elbowed. And then the referee <laughs> just goes, oh, fuck bad. off. And then he gives yeah. you a like, oh, what? what are you doing here? What is going on? Uh, yeah. Tiny tax. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the pop title right there, Tierney Tack. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think quickly on our performance was the front three. I know we said um, Sally didn't have a great game, but I wanted a bit more from the front three. Um, it was a bit 
bitty from them, to be honest. I thought I I, I say in their defence, I thought Mane first half and for the first fifteen of the second was phenomenal. Yeah, um, yeah. I know there's been a yeah. lot of talk. Kind of has he been? You know, he, he's not scored in I think about seven games, seven something games. like that now. Um, and people saying, you know, is he washed and stuff? But if you know, it, it, when you watch him play, the impact he has on the games and you know the, the driving determination, it's absolutely still there. So and, and that performance was kind of like a uh, just a, a real kind of window into how he's been playing this season. To be fair, because he looked really on it, he was sensational. Um, the only gap yeah. I would have with Marnie, sorry, the only gap I would have no, with Marnie is Emerson was on a yellow card from early, and there was a couple times where he had Emerson on ISO. And I just need him to drive at Emerson. I just need him to make Emerson commit and get that red card. But he was extremely good from my point of view. Um, yeah, he created his lot. He was busy as always. Like Marnie, when even when he doesn't score, he always gives you, well, as of late anyway, he always gives you that busybody performance where he looks like he's terrorising defenders and taking people on, which I was appreciative of. Do, do you think there's ever a scenario where Klopp would want to switch Mane and Salah. Because I think we could tell from, I think even the group chat was saying after about 65, 70 minutes, not seeing enough from Salah. Like, do you reckon there's ever a, a situation where Klopp would want to switch him around or move Salah's position to the centre? So he tried, so, it did, he? which was which was weird. Yeah. So he, goes, he goes to the four two three one. I don't think it played out the way we all thought it would. Um, which is, which is jotted to the right. Uh, Firmino plays in the 10, Salah goes up front. Just to get him involved a little bit more in the game, get him a bit more touches and be a bit more threat behind. But uh, I think I think at that point, it, it, the game's just like in a really weird state. Um, yeah. Which, which, which is odd. But I, it's something I'd like to see in, in the future a bit more. But I think so, at some certain points, we'd normally play more of a 4-2-4 um, with them all on the pitch. But obviously, with, with the lack of midfield options, I think it just played out how it did, to be fair. Yeah. And to be honest, defensively, just... that 4-3-1 switched to like a 4-4-2. And I think that was the main reason behind it. It wasn't more to get Salah into the game. It was more, we need some more defensive stability because they're cutting through us a little bit too easily. Um, but yeah, it didn't play out exactly the way I thought it was going to either. So what are you saying, I, Nick? I, I do want to commend Trent, though, on his performance. Like I thought he played... Really well, and I think Brilliant. the season to date, he's played absolutely fantastic. Like, I was even thinking about this like a couple of weeks ago. Like, what more can this guy do? Like, he is providing goals. He's getting assists. He's taking the screen, the team by the scruff of the neck. And when you saw some of the positions he was taking up, he's like camped out on the edge of the box. Like, really, really good performance from Trent. Um, and I think that was just a long way continue. There was one yeah, volley really, really, really cross really there that all my days. Like, the text the, um, that volley cross. Yeah, that, the, the, where he basically just crosses it with a volley. It's just it's yeah. a pinpoint and ball you know too. It's it was, absolutely insane tech. I think it was from a crossword ball as well. So I think Robertson pings it over to him. He looks at it and I'm thinking, oh yeah, he's just going to take a touch and fire it along the ball. And he just pings it on the Bang. volley. He's a, he's a hey, mad, mad Trent, share the tech. Trent, 
man. But yeah, I thought Trent, I thought Trent played well. But yeah, going back to your question, Nick, what more does he have to do? To be fair, people don't. Just, I don't know if people don't like him or I think it's just a way to get us out. Get at us, Liverpool. Uh, it's 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 Liverpool tax, one hundred percent. How many more monoliths does he have to attack? Have to kind of knock down at this point. First is Reese oh, James. Man. Oh, sorry. First it's Aaron Wambasaka. That yeah. one in itself is just absolutely <laughs> the the blasphemy. I, I'm going to get people for that. The the, the blasphemy that came out of people's it's mouths disgusting. there. Um, then it's Reese James, who you know in his own right is having a very good season. But you just look at Trent, it's levels. And then now it's Yao Cancelo. Um, I think I should have said something in the group that this is Cancelo's like best ever season. Um, and like throughout the course of his Premier League career, Trent is outdoing him just in this one season throughout Cancelo's entire Premier League career. So the, Trent needs to be respected for, for the world-class elite level talent that he is and just to stop being disrespectful because it's it's crazy out of line. And if you don't see how special this guy is at this point, you're just a hater. It's plain simple. Yeah, it's scary. It's scary. And and like I like thank you said that, Chris, because so Trent is getting compared to four different players. Five, if you add Walker. All of, you're comparing all of these guys to Trent. That means, in my head, that he's the outlier. He's the one that you're chasing. Do you know what I'm saying? If if you're not chasing him, then you won't say, oh, yeah, well, he's his better. That guy's better. But every game, Trent has shown that, look, I'm better than these guys. And people just need to leave it. Because even all the players that you've mentioned, all of them, defensively, they're not, they're not like, outstanding. I, I need to... People need to show me like a, a mad defender at right back who's a crazy defender because they're few and far between. Even if you go back to the yesteryears of, of your Gary Neville's, he was slow, he was a neat and tidy player. I mean, gonna take too much risks. Um, you wouldn't take a Gary Neville now, would you? You wouldn't take a um, you wouldn't take a Steve Finnan, you wouldn't take a Arbelo. But these players were just steady, steady eddies. Um, Leeds had Stephen Carr. You'd never take him. Stephen, if Stephen Carr was around today, he'd probably be playing for that Villa. He's like, he's like Matty Cash. They say he's like Matty Cash. Like these, these players are just steady eddies, man. When you've got a player like Trent, who is an undeniable talent, I think we need to just allow it and just leave it alone. Just let him do his thing. Do you know what I'm saying? Because he's head and shoulders above everyone, man. You just, you just sparked a thought in my head there. It's like, if you remember... Any of the great right backs ever. Yeah, you're gonna think of Danny Alves, you're gonna think of Cafu, you know, maybe Zanetti, even further, further back, like Carlos Alberto for Brazil. Yeah. All these guys, they're not gonna be remembered for their defensive attributes. They're gonna be remembered for what they've done going forward. Yeah. Facts. Everyone remembers Danny Alves, Cafu, all these guys were going Facts. forward. So why can't you put Trent in the same breath? Facts. Like it just it just baffles me. That's just it, bro. That's just, that's a big fact you just said, Andy. Like, you never remember any of them for their defensive attributes. Like, exactly. I, I was never thinking, oh, what a rat, like, what a tackle. Bruv, these man just uh, juggernauts going forward. They're so different because they're so good going forward. And, and the, the, the defensive midfielders, like I've met, um, sorry, centre, but even like as Zanetti, he was an outstanding defender. And you're always going to remember for him for being a technically efficient going forward. He was so cold. Like, I, I don't understand. I, I don't get it. Like, even like your Philip Larms and Tarams of the world, again, yeah. they're good tech going forward, man. It's yeah, it's um, it, I, I think it's just it's, it's Liverpool tackle by the Trent because at this point now it's just it's utterly insane. Um, I think both fullbacks have phenomenal games. Um, and I, I, I found the goal really interesting. Robertson's goal, Robertson's goal, just simply because it looked like there's something they've been working on 
or no, Robo's had to have a bit of a word because he's always open in the box um, for certain opportunities. And it's such a good ball by Trent to get him in. Easy header. Obviously, he takes a wallop in the head for it as well. But um, no, I thought both full backs were fantastic. Robertson, until he gets sent off, it pretty much is man of the match, which is um, which is which is art in itself. But no man, really good performance from both both uh, both left backs. And I'm I'm not too sure if they changed the rules in regards to suspensions. Um, but obviously, I think Robbo would serve tomorrow as one of his games, and the other two would be Leeds yeah, and Leicester. Um, so I don't think we've got any hesitation kind of adding Shimakas in that as well, because obviously even when he came on, he was getting in fantastic positions and putting decent balls in. But I think obviously just uh, Spurs' defensive kind of nous was starting to show through then. Um, to be honest, Shimakas should have played in Salah for one of the chances like towards the end, where Salah was free in the middle and he was on the left. Last minute. That was the winner. Like if he just that puts it in the area for Salah, Salah bags. But the only thing, so going back to Robo's suspension, the only thing that extremely worries me is um, Tomiskas is going to have to play the 26th and 28th back-to-back, which is like a two-day rest. And ideally, you want to have two left-backs that you can trust to rotate between those, um, which probably means we play Owen Beck tomorrow. I can't lie to you. I can't lie to you. Yeah, I don't mind Owen Beck, but one of those league games... I'm going to give Shimika 60 minutes and I'm going to dash uh, Milner there. Milner, yeah, I'm cool with that, man. I'm cool with that. I'm going to dash Milner. Owen Beck's a good talent. Um, well, they may play Owen Beck, you know. Bro, if they're playing Tyler Morton, they might just say, fuck it, bro, come play. But I think what Klopp might do is just put um, Milner there. We've got Leeds, followed by who? Leicester. Leicester. Leeds, followed by Leicester. So, I think... Yeah, I think Timmy Scouts will probably play 60, 70 minutes against Leeds because I expect us to beat them well. Then you, you dash it Milner there. Are the, are the uh, midfielders back for that? I think they no. should be back for Boxing Day. Hmm. Yeah, so I think Boxing Day is... Um, who's the first batch of people? Van Dyke, Thiago, Fab is Boxing yeah. Day. And then Henderson is... December 2nd is Chelsea. So January 2nd is Chelsea, isn't it? So the Henderson thing's yeah. interesting because they said it wasn't COVID. He was just ill. Yeah, he's just mm. ill. So Henderson, yeah, if, he should be back for... No, I don't know about Leeds, but he should be back for Leicester at least. Mm. This is why we need... This is why they need to name who's got it, to be fair. Um, yeah. Because it's just... It's, it's absolutely insane. We could, go, we could have a whole conversation about the, the whole COVID rules for football, but I'll save that one for another time. Um... We'll talk about Alison and Ibrahim Akanate uh, after these commercial messages. And we're back. Um, the goalkeeper. Weird game. He plays absolutely phenomenal until he makes the mistake. But even the way I looked at it on the post-match pod, again, if you haven't listened to the post-match pod, do head over to the Patreon page, uh, www.patreon.com forward slash copofracas and subscribe today. The link will be in the podcast description. Um, you have to kind of take it with a grain of salt in certain aspects because it's the way that he does play. It's the risk-reward, um, especially with the high line. And he saved a chance earlier on in the game doing the exact same thing. So it, it is what it is. What are your thoughts on kind of that risk reward thing with Allison recently because he's a sound keeper 
for 90% of the time, probably even 95% of the time, but for that 5%, he has, does have that bozo moment where it looks like everything just absolutely collapses and it just goes wrong. So what, what are your thoughts on Alisson at, at this current moment in time? Um, up until up until that mistake, until that error, he was actually my man in the match just because he was keeping us in the game. Um, the save from Ali was, when you look back on it, a phenomenal save, fingertip save. Um, he was sweeping well. Um, I feel this where, season... One where he smothers it as well. He's just such a good goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah. Oh, mate, he had, he had two. He had two when he smothered it. I think who somebody wanted it. Son wanted to go around him. Son, and try to take him on. Yeah. And he just... I think that was offside, though. I don't think they oh, were offside. Yeah. It's wrong. Yeah. And there was a Kane one, though, that was ridiculous. Ali passed it to him. Under hit the pass, but... Do you know what I'm saying? So yeah, up until up until that error he's made, and prior to that he's been coming out anyway in the game. So he was coming out and he was getting rid of the danger. Getting rid of, like you said, Chris, it's one of those things where we're gonna have to take it with a pinch of salt because that's his game, and that's what he does. And these these are the risks that, and this is what we put him for because he's a he's a proactive keeper who comes off the line because we play so far up and so high up the pitch. He he's tasked with trying to help our defence and just getting, getting rid of stuff and sometimes he's going to again he's a human being he's going to misjudge certain things and there's one of them times where he's misjudged unfortunately it was like 15 minutes left of the game which is enough to win it but it kind of like deflated us a little bit um, uh, Touchline this afternoon on Twitter was asking the three best keepers and a lot of people was didn't have him in there which kind of boggled my mind absolutely scrambled my head a lot of people were putting DDG I was thinking not for me I think uh, yeah I, I thought I think well, Ali's... more Nafia boys from the more Nafia have a huge following oh boy if that's the case but well, I have not seen any game where I thought oh, yeah he's DG he's been absolutely fantastic I've not seen one game where he has done anything yeah because he's not 2016 anymore that's why yeah exactly exactly there exactly but yeah I, I think Alisson's still probably yeah, top three keeper this season. Um, every keeper's had a bozo moment. Every keeper will continue to have a bozo moment. This is just that generation we're in. Um, I'd rather have a keeper who's quickly off his line than a keeper who stays on his line. Um, we can see the difference between the two. Um, Alisson is one of the best all-round keepers in world football. Um, he can do everything that you need him to do. Um, so I can't fault him too much. Obviously, it's a bit annoying to con- to concede a goal like that, but it is what it is, man. That's that's just the that's just the uh, risk we have to take with that. I think if it pans out or happens the other way, you can kind of get away with it. And when I say that, it's like if he has that quote unquote, you know, lapse in concentration in the first few minutes, and then goes on to make heroic saves that keep us in the game then it's kind of like, not okay, but it just probably sits a bit better with me. I know I keep coming back to it, but it's the fact that we had those moments of madness in those few minutes that's just like so uncharacteristic of this team. When you look at his performance, the way he played, like denying Kane, Ali, Son, like it was a great performance. And then it's just that one lapse in concentration compounded by Robbo's as well. And it's just like, oh God, this is not what we're expecting from Liverpool. But... Yeah, look, he's gonna have these off days, but yeah, Ellis on the point of the top three keepers, like he's definitely in there. I just, I, I don't see why anyone won't include him. 
Again, is it Liverpool tax? I don't know. It's definitely Liverpool tax, man. I don't who would you put, who would put in your top threes, by the way? Me? I, for me, I think I had Alisson, Edison and Mendy. Same, I, same. I think there's four vying for top three, yeah. I think that's the three, and then I think you can possibly add Martinez in there. Like just yeah. into the mix. I think it's an amazing shot stopper. Yeah, the um, shit arrows. By the way, Ellis. Really probably putting in like fourth place. To be fair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> how many? How many Ramsdale shouts were in there? Oh, that's a lot. Someone said top one, and I was like, what? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> top no, one, what? Saving things that are straight at him. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I think, um, I think it was Mariah who made a great people. point about it. What well, Morale had a good point about it, and it's the same is the same sentiment that I share is that because the bar was so low for him, he's exceeding that. So people are now thinking, "Rah, he's one of the best." Do you know what I'm saying? So from what? Because no, I, I didn't expect him. How do you quantify him. him as the best? Like, how do you quantify him as the best full stop? I, that's the do thing. Do you bro, think because... he's got the most clean sheets? Do you think he's got the most save percentage? Does has he conceded the least goals? Is he the best distributor of the ball? And I think all the answers to that are no. Yeah. So, how can you say he's the best? But so the, the thing, thing is, is well, so, yeah, so the thing on, is as well, his sample size is is lower because he's played two or three fewer games as well. Oh, there we go then. There we go then. So, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it is what it is. I mean, I, I've not got, I've not really got anything uh, ne- negative to say about, about Alice. It's just one of those things. Obviously, it isn't doing that it happens, but. He just misjudges it. I also think he kind of like weirdly goes to use his hands as well, and then realizes he's like quite far out of the bo- out of his box. Uh, um, but he could have also been helped as well by by Matip in that situation. Um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think it was really interesting as well. I think it was Neil Atkinson of the Apple Rap um, who said it this week that Spurs' game plan was very similar to the Athletic Madrid away game plan that they had when we played them at the uh, at the Wanda, where they kind of pretty much did the same thing. They were looking for balls on the break to split between our centre-backs and get in behind, which is something I think they did quite well. Um, looking back at it now, obviously Griezmann gets his goal from one of them. And, and yeah, that's where Yao uh, Felix finds a lot of his um, success in that game as well. So it, it, that, that was a really interesting point there from Neil. Um Shout out to him and the fantastic stuff uh, they're doing over at Tour. Um, I think massive shout outs and big kudos has to go to uh, one guy who, whenever he's been getting better and better, and in true anime fashion, as he lost the post after every single game, <laughs> and he's evolving. He's slowly evolving uh, into his next 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 great form. Uh, of course, if you don't know by now, we're talking about Ibrahim Akanate. Um He hasn't had Virgil beside him in these past two games um, to not, not really guide him through the games, but, you know, kind of help, help shepherd him along as he, you know, he's still a young centre-back with a lot of room to grow, but we were impressed and we were really excited when we signed him in the summer. Mark, I'll come to you initially. Um, how excited are you now seeing the, the, the growth pause that he's had in his appearances this season? He seems to be getting better and better every single week. The growth has been exponential, like, been ridiculous and we all know from being Liverpool fans quite some time now that Klopp doesn't trust people immediately. The fact that he has, and I think this is Ellis's point that he brought up maybe about a month ago, the fact that Konate is being thrust into the side on repeated occasions, sometimes above Matip and sometimes above Gomez, 
shows the faith that Klopp has in him. Um, I feel like he's almost a complete article. Like for me, that's ideally if he continues this trajectory anyway, that could be Van Dijk 2.0 in the sense that he's fast, he's strong, he doesn't get bullied, and he makes some of these like recovery runs look so easy. The way he eats up ground is ridiculous. His reading of the play at this moment in time is still a bit lacking, um, but it's at a high enough level for, I believe, a 23-year-old. I might be wrong in that. Um, but he made a number of challenges that were great. There was one on Kane that Kane was literally about to turn the box on Kanate, smothers the shot. Um, he seems like he's at quite a high level of centre-back already, and I'm so happy that we got him instead of Fulpa McConnell. So, out of the two, we've done quite well. The scouting team's done amazingly there. And long may his good form continue. So, just uh, just seeing that Sunderland have pulled one back against Arsenal, so it's Arsenal 2, Sunderland 1 in the old League Cup. Really good goal, actually, to be fair. Um, else, I- I'll come to you. you were, when we did... Um, kind of that patron show we did last December, which now seems like it was seven years ago, as as is time, um, about kind of finding the next great Liverpool centre back. Uh, when we're going through that centre back crisis, one of the names that the name that you uh, picked picked out was, in fact, Ibrahim Akanate. Um, kind of reality versus expectations. How has he kind of fared for you so far this season? Um, reality versus expectations. Yeah, he's done. He's done better than I expected. To be fair, he's done better than I expected. Obviously, that like Mark the the, the talent's all there. Um, we know what he's about. But the last couple of games, I've been very very excited. To be quite honest, um, uh, in general, open play. Or obviously, the, 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 the sorry, the Spurs chances were in open play, but the handling of Kane outside the box and inside, to be fair, was exceptional. Um, obviously, he's more physical than Kane. He's quicker than Kane. Kane's kind of strong as well. He just bounced Kane off um, at times. Even against uh, Newcastle when Wilson came on. Wilson tried to rough right, him man. up. He, he basically um, said, Detroit Urban Survival Training. This is how you disarm <laughs> a good Premier League forward. <laughs> quickly. He just quickly put his thumb on the wrist. Put his thumb on the wrist. <laughs> elbow behind the back. <laughs> he just he showed him. He showed him, yeah. I'm not um I'm not one today. So yeah, physical traits is all there. Technical is all there. Obviously, we just want him to learn the league. Probably well, right now he's very very um he pushes forward a lot. He's very aggressive. He's very aggressive in his approach, which is sometimes okay. But I think as time goes on, next couple of seasons he will learn that he doesn't need to do that. You know, so like Van Dyke. Van Dyke never is never aggressive. He just holds off and just waits for you to come because you're not going to beat him for pace you're not going to beat him for power um, I kind of enjoy, I enjoyed his performance to be quite honest with you I enjoyed his performance against Villa as well I thought he had a very very good game and he's, he's a top player 35 mil it's going to look like a snippet I had a friend who said he, he's not too sure about him I just laughed it off I literally just said ha 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 so um, yeah yeah man, he, he's a player he's a player next couple of seasons we will be saying yeah Top top ten in the league because when you look at people his age right now, in 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 the Premier League, there's not many better than him. Um, and when you play for this Liverpool team, it's it's very hard. 
is very hard. We play so high up the pitch that any mistake. Yeah, we're not like them Chessy boys who play for yeah, the man. band. Yeah, man, they're dancing in the videos, you know, like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's a bit fish. You're death row, baby. Feel about tax. So, um, if you compare him to like a Diaz from last season, obviously Diaz is a fantastic defender, but Diaz also had a few mistakes in him. Diaz also had a few mistakes in him. So, someone like Canate, you can ask to keep on coming in from the cold and still like maintain a good level. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that yeah we've got we've got a good thing there lads and Gomez coming back as well so Konate and Gomez is something that we could save man that, that looks like a very very lovely partnership there man no I completely agree um he, he's adapted to kind of the way he play really well um I still think there's a bit, a bit of growth for, for, for certain things but don't mean to poke holes out of his game um and kind of say he, he's been struggling as, as I've seen from some journalists um uh, no, no friends of the pod because the friends of the pod they're, they're honourable men in their report in a very good manner. But shout out Paul Gorse by the way, um, very good friend of the pod. Um, they report honourably um, and with pride. So uh, nothing from from their side really. But no, I think um, just to kind of summarise uh, the performance against Spurs, it's 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 disappointing because it very much feels like two dropped in the circ- given the circumstances. Um, but when you look at it in retrospective, um, the weapons formed against us. The, the midfield mismatch and just just how it kind of played out really um i think 2-2 was was a fair result and and a point might not be the worst thing kind of coming in the season but like we said when when the margins are razor thin it does kind of stick at you for a while but you know as the Liverpool team do they come back they go stronger and they keep putting the foot down and you know now kind of coming from behind to chase city uh four is it four points now three points three points isn't it Three points. Yep, That's still within range. That's still within range, man. And one thing this Liverpool team do, they know how to put pressure on City's neck and be relentless. So the challenge is in front of them and, and they know what to do. Um, speaking of successful Liverpool team, we do have a League Cup game tomorrow uh, against Leicester. Uh, I'm not entirely sure of the status of Leicester's team um, as I think they've been hit by injuries and COVID. I'm pretty sure they didn't even have an available centre-back to play. Unfortunately, the League Cup the, sorry, the EFL don't give a shit and you will be playing that game. Uh, I remember when we had to play Villa and send out the kids um, and I believe it was the FA Cup last season where Villa had to send their kids out against us. Really weird that we can keep end up in these scenarios. Um, I, I, I've read something earlier that they're looking about getting rid of the two-legged semi-final which would be absolutely fantastic. Um, play at a neutral venue, just get it done, out the way and obviously the final is in February. That being said, if that were to be the case, would you be then up for us kind of progressing, going all the way and winning this competition as opposed to an FA Cup where you look at the schedule, you look how it plays out, it messes with your games and with COVID looking like it's going to affect the season even more, it's just going to be an unwarranted pain in the arse. So I guess the question is, would you rather prefer the League Cup with those changes to its iteration or would you prefer the FA Cup? Um, You know, I don't prefer either. But Fair. I do want to win something <laughs> in it. Yeah. I just want to get something on the board to start. And for me, one thing that City always do well is they treat well, they treat the Carabao Cup like it's their little toy. But it always tends to give them momentum and it gives them that winning feeling. So when they come towards the end of the season, they're there and thereabouts. Um I would like to see a few men lift the trophy. Um 
hopefully Curtis Jones is back and fit and he'll be able to play some part. Um, and to get the kids to have that winning feeling, like some of these younger lads anyway, like we're talking about Owen Betts, the Tyler Mortons, the Harvey Elliotts, the Joneses, they weren't fully involved in our title winning season. So let them win something, let them get that champion feeling and hopefully we can go on and win something more senior at the end of the year. Else? Um, so before you cut, I was just trying to think. To be fair, I'd rather the FA Cup than the League Cup. Nostalgia. Um, yeah, I'm up. You know me, Chris. I'm an old head, man. <laughs> <laughs> the good um, kind, not the, not the hating ass kind. Yeah, not the hating ass ones. No, no, not the hating ass ones. <laughs> the, the type, of, the type of the type of old head that Marco will get along with. Even though I think Marco's an old head as well. Low key old head still. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um yeah. The nostalgia of, of the FA Cup, I would like that, man. We haven't won it for a little while as well. We ain't won it since 06. A team of our stature, a club of our stature. We need to uh we need to right some wrongs there. League Cup, I can get away with it altogether. I I still maintain that they should make the League Cup the under twenty three couples of soul or some sort because it's a waste of our times. Um, I don't know how you can have a final at the end of February after just having a grueling two months of December and January. Then you have a final at the end of February. It don't make no sense to me. So yeah, I, I can do away with that. Um, tomorrow, who do you play? It's gonna be changes. I want to see Keller come in. Gomez is gonna come in. Uh, Phillips would have played if he wasn't injured. So I was reading something. I was reading something just that apparently. Gomez and Canate are going to play tomorrow. Oh, fair enough. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing that still, just as Lacko was saying earlier, like that's going to be a sight to behold, in it? So let's yeah, see that let's theory see in that action, in it. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. I'm a bit nervous um, about who they play against, though, on my account. Not nervous, but yeah, because Daka's a quick one, in it, and I don't really yeah. want. Gomez having to overexert himself, especially after the injury that he's had in it. Um, yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's well, he has to play games some some way in it. He's gonna have to get a run out. Um, I think obviously Nico William comes in. He's been okay this season. It seems like he's growing more. Uh, left back, Tinnisgas also plays. The midfield is gonna be very very intriguing. I think Chamber comes back in. Yeah. Then I'll probably just be Chamberlain by himself, to be fair. Up so I'm just looking at I'm looking at the team that Leicester can play, and I still think they've got like they've got no centre backs available. So this this is the predicted lineup from who scored. So apparently the predicted back four would be Luke Thomas at left back, Bertrand at left centre back, Amate at right centre back, and then Albrighton at right back. <laughs> okay, let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get it. Play yeah, Kate Gordon, man. Play, yeah, play, yeah, what's play his Kate name? Gordon. Um Fadden Dolph for that you. Play all of them, man. Play Harvey Blair. <laughs> yeah, play Harvey Blair, man. So, um, yeah, we'll see, man. We'll see. It'll be interesting. The team is going to be from both sides. The, looking at it from both sides is going to be very, very interesting. So, we'll see what, what's going to happen, man. He's definitely going to be interested. Um, I think it's going to be a good occasion for uh, the, the, these games. I think it's always where um, kind of like younger fans really get their first experience of Anfield. Um, kind of cheaper, cheaper, 
cheaper tickets. There we go. Got that one out of there in the end. Um, and a bit more availability for people to go. So uh, should be, it should be a good night. Hopefully the Reds, if it is one semi-final, because if it's two, I, just, I can't be asked. I'd rather just throw the game completely. Um, you know, go through um, and then w- win the competition. So, yeah, let's let's just see how it goes, really. Um, that's a good place to, to end the pod, really. Um, before we do sign off, we have introduced the, fi- the you know, final word. Um, Els, I'm going to let you have the final word for this week. Um, take it away. Yeah, man. Obviously, we drew 2-2 against Spurs. It's not, it's not beyond end all. Uh, I still think that even with the midfield we had, we still put a sick performance in. Do you know what I'm saying? So, but only three points, like Chris said in the pause, only three points between us and City. City know that we're still as relentless as them. Um, season's still young, still a long season. We are the mighty Reds and we'll probably go on and win the next couple of games. So let's let's keep on going, man. Let's get it, man. Couldn't put it by myself. Let's get it indeed. Uh, that has been the episode of Copping Fracas for Wednesday, the 22nd of December. I've been your host, Christian. And I've been joined by Ellis and Mark. Look, it's December, festive period's coming up. You probably don't want to be, you know, sitting with your family talking about all sorts of nonsense. You want to be listening to us talk about the Reds. The Patreon page, £3 a month. The link is in the bio. I recorded a phenomenal show with Harold earlier. It's a, it's a new series we're debuting called Football and Me. Uh, you know, well, I, I sit down and talk with contributors about kind of their journey within football, how they got into the sport. Uh, and it's a little bit like their origin story, really. So, you know, keeping this, the theme with Spider-Man. Uh, from last week. Phenomenal film if you've not seen it by the way. Do do go out and, and see it. Um so yeah it's it's a it's really good. It, it's a, it was a really good conversation I had with Harold. We're gonna have a few more coming in. I think we've got Julian uh, and Ellis, I think, in the next kind of weeks to come out. Um so yeah of course you get all the other stuff on top of it as well with a transfer window coming up. I know my boy Mark is smiling. We're gonna get him on some pods talking about who he would bring in ideally for Liverpool in January to kind of see this season end in silverware. So it's going to be a good time here at Copper Fracas on the Patreon page. So, thank you very much for tuning in. Stay safe. We'll see you next time when we talk about all things. Thank you very much for tuning in. We'll see you soon. Network.